Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Thank you so much for being here this morning. I want to be obedient to what the Father's doing in this moment. And I know that we sang a song called Break Every Chain. That's, that's, I feel like that's the administration for this morning. Um, we've sang that song before. We really have. Lots of times. With lots more instruments up there. And it sounds way better. <laughs> but guess what? The Lord don't need all those instruments. He's about the business of setting his children free. Free from things that are holding us down, right? I want you to come in here and get built up. And when you walk out of this place, you're different than when you walked in. You guys hear me say that all the time. I'm going to say it again. I'm beating a dead horse. That's okay. Jesus did the same thing. He didn't really beat a dead horse. He just doesn't change his narrative. So why should we change ours? Right? <laughs> I want y'all to be free this morning. <clears throat> I want to be free this morning. Anybody in here want to be free? Like, yes. In uh, the spirit of being a broken record, you cannot fix things you want to keep broken. You've heard me say that before. You cannot fix things you want to keep broken. Just can't. Because sometimes we have a broken part of our life that is a comfort. We have a broken part of our life that builds us up to a place where we say, man, I don't know how to survive without that. There's something about that building up of that broken place that we had a word come across the pulpit two weeks ago that said this, that it was on the, uh, the coattails of this word resentment. It came from Peaches, Valerie Embry. And she said to us, from speaking as a mouthpiece for the Lord, that the safe haven that you're building to protect yourself from things is actually a prison. So when we use something to build ourselves up, to comfort ourselves, to, in essence, that thing that we cannot live without because we just cannot imagine not having that pain in our lives, that's a safe haven that's actually a prison. And the Lord wants to break those bars clean off. He wants to break the door, bust the door wide open. Are you with me this morning? It's scary. <laughs> Man, it's scary. Because that means you might be left vulnerable. So what do we do when there's a, there's a kind of a void in our lives, an unknown, something that uh, we don't necessarily know a whole lot about. There's not a lot of details that we can attach to this, this unknown. Oftentimes our behavior manifests itself afterwards in control. I want to control this situation because I don't want to get hurt because I want something to happen my way. I'm going to use this statement and then we're going to jump into more of this introduction. Then we're going to hit again Romans 12, 14 through 21, focusing on the last few verses in there. The statement is, God's butt is too big for the throne that he sits on for him to share it with you. Okay? Let that one sink in. His butt is too big to have any kind of space for us to kind of get a little, you know, something on there. Let me just get a pink. Lord, let me just, can I just sit right there for a second? <laughs> we are creatures of control, are we not? 
We are creatures of habit, therefore, when our habit isn't, or our habitual way of doing things is interrupted, we want to get it back in line. Because it's just uncomfortable when it's out of line. But who's in control? I will say this, we are not, and you know this, but our behavior doesn't necessarily say that. So this message this morning is about him being one thing in your life, in my life, and us being willing to let him be that. He is God. He says, I am the creator of the universe. I sneezed and the earth was created. It wasn't a mistake, all right? He blinks his eye and the sun is in the sky. He created us from dust. He's saying, let me be who I am supposed to be in your life. Are you with me this morning, ladies and gentlemen? You know what the manifestation of that statement, or I guess what comes after that, is you not only letting him do that, but releasing control of your life to him. So we can say it all day long. We can get up in here and amen and, you know, nod and say, good, good word, pastor. But if it don't happen and if it don't show itself, if, if we don't know them by their fruit, if people don't know us by our fruit, then what's the point? Also, another broken record statement by Pastor Square. What's the point if we're not doing it? So Romans 12, if you've been with us for any amount of time, We've been in Romans since the 1st of 2017. We're now in 2018, getting done with chapter 12. But it's an amazing book. Chapter 12 is kind of the rubric as far as how we're supposed to live our lives after 11 chapters of doctrine. Paul speaks about who Christ is, sanctification, glorification, justification, also his sovereignty. It takes 11 chapters to do that. And then at the beginning of chapter 12, he says, all right, therefore... You know now. Now you got to go live it out. So all through chapter 12, you see this dedicated service, this way of loving that is not only from us to God, but from us to each other and us to people outside of, this, of the, the, the church, people outside of these walls. It's a very, it's an amazing piece of literary work that uh, I suppose if I preached Romans 12 again, in a couple of years, it, it, it's not that it would be totally different, but it would be, there's some things in there that would knock me over three or four times over. It's just a book that keeps digging. It's a book that keeps opening you up. Because it's saying, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, let this come from your heart. Let this come out of your actions. Now, the cool thing about this book is that there's bookends in chapter 12, in the beginning, in the end. And it comes by way of the Lord kind of showing us his omnipotence and his deity. So those are the bookends, I believe, in the beginning, uh, verses 1 and 2. And the end of chapter 12, which would be, uh, let's see, verses 19, 20, and 21. But before, well, let me read this, and then I'm going to take you over to Ephesians for a little bit, and then we're going to come back. Everybody with me this morning? All right. So we've read this for the past three weeks, this set of scripture. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil overcome evil with good. I love this. I just, I could stay in Romans 12 for like the next 10 years and be okay. Um, but for those of you who know about our foundational scriptures, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, I, I'm almost positive we're going to preach the book of Ephesians, the next book. Whenever we get there is whenever we get there. I mean, honestly, it could be at the end of this year. But I want, what I want to be able to do is prime us for that. The book of Ephesians and the book of Romans are kind of set up the same as far as here's all this doctrine. Here's who Jesus is. Okay, now here's how to live. The Lord doesn't just say it to us. He gives us an example, which is great. Um, your example or your idea, my opinion, my idea, hey, that's obsolete. It don't matter. It says right in here. This is how we're supposed to do it. But we can't do it without the Spirit. Amen? Need that Spirit. So during the day, keep talking to the Spirit. Ask the Spirit to fill you up. Ask Him to let what's in you that is Christ come out. Because it'll come out in a way that will probably surprise the mess out of you. But if you can, turn over to Ephesians. Um, And I don't think I have... Do I have 15 or 16 in there? 15? Awesome. This is good. This is good. So this is what this says. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects in him who is the head, even Christ. I'm going to continue to verse 16. I did not put it in there. Um, But there's a point that I got to make before we come back to verse 15. And verse 16 is kind of the, the conclusion of, of, of everything. When I say everything, it's very vague, but it's very pointed in nature as well. It says, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Here we go. I want you to hang on to this part. According to the proper working of each individual part. Do you know who the, the each individual part is? If you do, raise your hand. Yeah, it's you. Okay? Those of you who raised your hands, and those of you who didn't raise your hands, it's you too. Okay? Each individual part is each individual sitting in this congregation. Uh, every other congregation in this city, the church at Fort Collins, the body of Christ, his bride, not only in Fort Collins, but the whole state, the whole nation, the whole world. That's each individual part. But for each individual part to work properly, 
we have to get a scope of what that looks like. It's all in chapter 12 and the latter part of the book of Ephesians. He's saying you want to be that part that works properly, soak up chapter 12. Soak up the back half, uh, chapters 4, 5, and 6 of the book of Ephesians. What does it mean to be the, according to the proper working? What does it mean to be an individual who works properly? I believe this proper working is embedded in Romans 12. How can we work properly if we're not or are a list of these things going through the scriptures? Presenting your body as a living sacrifice. That's verse 1. Being transformed, having your mind being renewed. How are we supposed to work properly if we're not allowing or willing to let those things happen? Also thinking, not thinking too highly of yourself. Stepping outside of your measure of faith. The Lord's not asking you to step outside of your measure of faith. See, my measure of faith is different than yours. We have faith in the same thing, okay? Don't get that twisted. But what I have up here to preach and be a pastor and to lead is different than everyone else. But I don't have the measure of faith that you have for what you got to do. But when we step outside of that, we begin, to, we begin to try to stretch our ability. We begin to fall flat on our face, being exhausted, trying to do something that we weren't created to do. Are you with me today, church? Don't step outside of your measure of faith. You work properly when you, when you stay inside what the Lord has created you to do. Also, when you exercise your gift accordingly, learning what it means to, in essence, the sword that you have to wield that sword with wisdom. Because if you don't, it can end up doing more harm than good. You can step into somebody's life and want to correct or you want to help or you want to sharpen. Uh, as, an iron, as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. If we don't do that correctly, if we don't speak the truth in love, guess what? It, do, it does more um, damage than it does good. And I read this the other day. I didn't think I was going to say it. But this is from a commentary from Matthew Henry. And it talked about speaking the truth in love. And it says this, love is an excellent thing. But we must be careful to preserve truth together with it. And it says truth is an excellent thing. Yet it is requisite that we speak it in love and not in contention. It's a both and. Does that make sense this morning? Also, loving without hypocrisy. Blessing and not cursing. Rejoicing with those who rejoice. Weeping with those who weep. Being like-minded. If it is all, so as far as it depends on me, on us, to be at peace with all men. See, this is the proper working. This is the, what, what the Lord is asking us to do. This is what it's supposed to look like. Read the back half of chapter, excuse me, but the book of Ephesians. You'll get more information than I got time to talk about. Because if I, I'm trying to stop from going there because we'll just, we'll never get to the scripture. I'll just talk about Ephesians the rest of the day. But you, are you guys trucking with me this morning? Yeah? All of these fall into the proper working. But I'll tell you what, talked about these bookends. The proper working, ladies and gentlemen, us, you and me, walking in a manner that's worthy of the calling. I believe there is none more important and foundational than what we read in the beginning parts of 19... 20. 
1920 and 21. I remember communicating to you that we have these bookends of omnipotence, excuse me. We have these bookends of deity. The first being in those first two verses of chapter 12, 1 and 2. There's a therefore, after all this doctrine, Paul makes a statement about not just recognizing the depth of Christ's sacrifice, but he says, let your understanding of his mercies manifests itself in the form of you giving your life to him as a living sacrifice. That's a fair exchange. For what he did on the cross is he getting enough back. You know what is enough? Your entire life. See, that's a God thing. He's saying no one else could have done that for you. There's nothing on this earth that could have made the exchange to pay for sin to close the gap from me to you. That is a God thing. I am God. Let me be God in your life. Amen this morning? And then this verse 2, same thing. This is a bookend. Okay, this is front half. Being transformed, okay, but for a purpose. The scripture says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove, here we go, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Being transformed is for a purpose. It's to prove that his will is not something that we can change. His will for your life, man, it's a glorious one. It's for good and not calamity. You got to understand that. He's not out to get you. He's not out to be that big dude on an anthill with a magnifying glass, just burning people up. It's for good and not calamity. You be transformed. The, the, the will of God can be shown through your life. See, that's a deity thing. That's an omnipotence thing, right? But then we get to the scripture for today that we're, we're highlighting. It's this verse 19, 20, and 21. I'm going to repeat this statement real quick. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get on track of my notes here. Let me say this before we, we, we get to those verses real quick. Again, verses 1 and 2, 19, 20, and 21, both of these speak to his deity and his omnipotence. This is, in essence, a prerequisite to the proper working of each individual part. If we don't get these, if we don't get this, it's going to be real hard to love without hypocrisy. It's going to be real hard to be devoted to one another in love brotherly love. It's going to be real hard to exercise your gift accordingly. And I'll repeat that first statement. I believe the posture of being rooted and grounded, not only in all of the word, but getting this 19, 20, and 21 in us are paramount for the success and the proper working of each individual part. And then you got 19 and 21, which is the other bookend. And again, it says this, never take your own revenge, beloved. But here we go. Leave room. Leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. I'm going to stop right there. This bookend number two, I've already kind of spoken.
spoken it to you? When he says, look, it's not your responsibility to make things right when somebody else has wronged you. That's my job. He's speaking from a place of his throne where he's saying, my butt's too big for you to be up here. Get up, just move over and let me take care of you. There's a love story in this as well. But he's saying, vengeance is mine. I'm going to take care of it. I will repay. He's saying, I am God. And here's a statement that I have to say to you. I even have to say it to myself. Stop playing God in your life. Stop. Because when you do, we create chains. We tether ourselves to things that aren't healthy. Because we're trying to build this safe haven that ends up being a prison. Stop playing God. Stop. There's no need for that. Here's the other thing. We weren't created to sit on the throne. (laughs) We weren't created to be the ones up there trying to orchestrate everything. You know what he created you to do? He created you to love. He created you to step into his presence and be used by him in any way that he so chooses. In the same way, not losing yourself, but you find yourself. Does that make sense? Stop playing. God, we weren't created for that. Now, here is who God is. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 1. I think we have 19 through 20, 23. I'm just going to read uh, verse 18 and then we'll jump into what's up on the screen. But here's, here's more of God's character. This is why. This is, these are the things that we cannot do and therefore need to step off of the throne of our life if, if we see that we're up there. Or if he tells us that we're up there in any way. In any way. Ephesians 1, verse 18 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Here we go. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heaven, heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in the age, in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, And gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. My goodness. You ever have a um, a, a skewed view of who Christ is? Or his his deity or his power? Read that. It'll bring you right back to, oh Lord, uh, do I have surpassing greatness? Is there some kind of power that came from me that rose Jesus from the dead? No, that was you. Are you guys with me this morning? Surpassing greatness, his power in accordance with the working of his strength, might, power. 
And this is a power, ladies and gentlemen, that raised Jesus from the dead and sat Christ at his right hand. Not you and not me. Placed far above all rule, which might have hurt you, okay? All authority, which might have hurt you and I. All power, which might have done something to us in the past that wasn't so nice. All dominion. And here we go, every name that has been named. He's above all of it. So I'm going to say it again. His butt is too big for us to share any kind of seat up there trying to call shots in our lives. He's saying, vengeance is mine. I will repay. How do we know that there's just one throne? Well, it tells us. It being the word in Revelation 4. As we get that up on the screen. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's go back to Ephesians 4.15 before we get to this one. Because that's the one that I wanted to, wanted to read there. Again, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects. All aspects, not half aspects or 50 or 80 or 75%. All of it. Into him who is the head. Even Christ. It just gives us more of an understanding that it's not us who's up there orchestrating, sitting on the throne. It's him. And then we look at Revelation 4.2. Now, in our Wednesday night Bible study, we've been going through the book of Revelation. I believe that it, we're on like year five or something like that, and we're, we're pretty much done. So when we were on Revelation 2, it was probably like three and a half years ago. Excuse me, Revelation 4. But uh, if you guys get a chance to jump into that Wednesday night Bible study, it's good because Revelation was an extremely hard book to understand. You don't just sit down and be like, oh, let's jump into Revelation. You know, there's so much verbiage in there that just needs to be sifted through. But it's all, it's all good. And here's what verse, uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 2 says. I'm actually going to read one two, three, and four, but it says this, after these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately, here's our scripture, I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he, uh, this is verse 3, and he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardis in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance, or around the throne were 24 thrones. And upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns in their heads. See, there's this picture being created here. That there's one throne. And it's a throne room. Okay? Here's where we get this title. The throne room. Every seat in that throne room is taken. Okay? That doesn't mean we need to loft ourselves up, be haughty in mind, think too highly of ourselves, and sit ourselves up on the top, up on this throne. Number one, Christ's throne. Number two, any other seat of authority that he has created is not for us. You guys with me this morning on that? We get this title that says the throne room, no vacancy. You might know what no vacancy means. <laughs> 
means it, it ain't for us to be seated on the throne calling shots. That doesn't mean we can't go into God's presence. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is at any point in your life where you see that you are trying to play God, I'm saying, guess what? He's going to deal with you and us on that. He's going to deal with you and I on that. Saying it is my job to call shots. It's my job to use you the way that I see fit. But do you know that the way that I see fit is better than anything that we could ever come up for our own life? Man, there's things I want to do. I've told you guys before it would be a, a dream of mine to have like an American Express black card. No limit. Yeah. Never will it ever happen, I don't think. But to go to like Costco or Sam's and sit in the corner and give the cashier my card and be like, hey, just pay for the next however many people who come through for the next 30 minutes and just watch people. Oh, that'd be so great. But see, that's my way of blessing people. That might not be the way the Lord wants to use me. I just have this dream that, oh, man, that'd be so cool. But in the past, I've taken it to a place where if I can't even get to that, then all of a sudden I have a, um, uh, I think God forgot about me. Does that make sense? That all of a sudden, if he doesn't show up the way that I want him to show up, then he forgot about me. Now, see, he, he, he never has forgotten about you. Why? Because he's on the throne and you're not. I'm not. The reason why I feel like these bookends are so paramount is if we don't let God be God, it's hard for us to be us. If you don't let Jesus be Jesus, if you don't have an understanding of who Jesus is, it's real hard for you to be yourself. People are always saying, y'all just spend time on you. Hashtag 2018 self-made, all that stuff. Get out of here with that. Get out of here. I just can't stand that. Find out who Christ is. And you will find, you will run right smack dab into who you are. And it will blow your mind because you realize you're capable more than what you think. You realize that the authority and power that you have isn't yours, but it comes from the throne of God. That doesn't mean we sit up there. He does. And he gives it to us. He gives it to his children. What are we? Co-heirs to the throne. <laughs> Hallelujah. But here's what he does ask us to do. Are you with me today, church? Head nods, amens, mm -hmm. rustle the paper. Yeah, I got those people too. He says this. I didn't put this in your bulletin, but you can write this one down. Psalms 46.10. And it's, I want to get to it and read it. I could quote it off the top of my head, but I want to be able to look at it in scripture. Anybody know what that is? Very rarely do I open up and say, hey, somebody say something. <laughs> You know, if you get there, just shout it out. Can read that real loud, Mom? Be still and know that I am God. Yeah. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Yes. Now, my version says, cease striving. Oh, man. You guys striving for something in your life that is like the epitome of the dream, the epitome of the life that you want to have, and you're striving so hard for this thing? We read this verse after knowing who God is, and he's saying, look, it's not your job to sit on the throne, but what I need you to do, child, what I need you to do, son, 
What I need you to do, daughter, is I need you to cease striving. I need you to be still. And not just know something, but I need you to know that I am God. And that I am the one who's going to lift you up. I am the one who's going to give you everything that your heart has ever desired. Why? Because I put those desires in you. So if I put them in you, I'm going to make good on my promise. He did it with Noah. He did it with Abraham. He did it with Joseph. My goodness, go down the list. It may not have happened right away. For Noah, heck, it took 125 years for rain to come. For Abraham, it took 15 plus for a promise to come to fruition. Joseph was thrown in a pit by his brothers and then ended up being their master. <laughs> come on. You think God doesn't have it figured out? He's got it figured out with you too. Cease striving, be still, and know that I am God. Amen? He's also saying this in this scripture when he speaks that vengeance is mine. You know, my dad has uh, nine siblings. He's one of ten. He's the baby of ten. Um, the first five are kind of a clan. The second five are kind of a clan just in where they were living when they were born, all that stuff, age, whatever. Just got, he had uh, six brothers and three sisters. But he was the baby, so that means in the stories that he would tell me, he was basically born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Everybody protected the baby, right? So he's got uh, six brothers, four who are still alive. Two had passed away, but he always tells stories about when he'd go to school and somebody would mess with him. His brothers took care of it. They would say, you know what, get behind me. Because that person now has to come through me to get to you. So when he says, uh, vengeance is mine, he's saying, I love you so much, I want you to get behind me. Because if that person wants to get to you, they got to come through me. Do you realize you serve a God like that? That he rewards those who seek him and his children are on his mind all the time. He wants to protect you. He does. People do things to us in this life that we don't understand. But at some point, we're going to start thinking about all the things that Christ has done for us rather than the things that people have done to us. The things that Christ has done for us need a little bit more, of, uh, more volume, more of a say. Because you can't ask a broken person to do something that only Christ can do. Are you with me today? Vengeance is his. Get behind him. See striving. Know that he's God. He'll take care of everything. There is no room up there for you and I. <laughs> Let him be what he uh, was created to be or calls himself as God of all. Let him be that. And then he gives us a charge. That as you're standing behind me, as you understand that I am God, as you get this, it's not even a mindset, it's a functioning. It's a posture of heart. That I present my, my body as a living sacrifice and I'm transformed for the purpose of showing or, or proving the will of God to be good. And that the other bookend, I am God. And don't try to play God. You, everything's smashed in between there. 
As he's saying, when you realize, you understand, and you walk in this, it becomes more heart knowledge than head knowledge. I don't want you to just stand behind me and do nothing. There's a purpose for us standing behind the Lord. He says this, but if your enemy is hungry, the person who took your legs off from underneath you, the person who you're thinking about right now that you're like, guess what? I don't want to be in the same room as you. But if you need a hot and spicy from McDonald's, I'll go pick it up. Right? If you need a dollar burrito, I guess I can get some quarters together. Are you with me this morning? Everybody's just a little too serious in here, okay? <laughs> Trying to get some laughs or something. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you kill him with kindness. For in so doing, you show him, her, the gospel. That you are not concerned about making it right if someone else hurts you. You're going to leave that up to the Lord. And you're just going to do what you're created to do. Love. Be a picture of the, th the throne. Be a picture of the gospel. Does that make sense? Man, you walk in that door, you walk in being real. You get your heart here. The spirit shows up because, hey, this is the crew today that we've been able to walk through this scripture with. But to walk out of here transformed is the goal. Saying, God, you know what? I'm no longer in control. And I don't want to be in control. Matter of fact, I'm not good at being in control. Anybody good at being in control? Yeah. Nobody better raise your hand. Because I'll make fun of you with the microphone. I'm just kidding. We think we're good at it. And the Lord says, okay. I'll give you over to that. We read that in uh, earlier chapters of Romans. The Lord will give you over to your desires if, he, if you so choose to show you what it's like to operate without him. And then he says, hey, prodigal son, prodigal daughter, come on back. I love you. How was it out there? Sucked? I know. <laughs> Let me take over. That's, that's, that's the, um, the beckoning, I think, that he's doing this morning to us. It's hard to run after him when you got all these chains on, him, on you. But realizing that he is God, the name of Jesus, chains fall, and you can hear him. I'll tell you what, I want that in my life. I hope y'all want the same thing. So this throne room, it's not that we can't be there, but the throne, there's no vacancy. Hotel, Jesus' throne, no vacancy. I'm sorry. There is no room for you and I. <laughs> but it's supposed to be that way. The entire chapter 12 of the book of Romans is something that I'm going to ask you guys to continue to soak up. To just continue to read. Man, if you don't know what to read in your quiet time, just flip this thing open. And ask yourself a question. Am I doing this? Is the church, is the, the, the body of Christ looking like this? Because the body of Christ is you and me. Am I doing this? That's what we're going to be about in 2018. We're going to get real good at taking care of each other. We're real good at it. Hopefully the narrative of 
this body outside of this church would be that man. Those people over there, they know what it means to just walk alongside one another. They know what it means to jump into discipleship. Which, by the way, I'm going to say this, shameless plug. It's not really shameless because I'm the senior guy and I'm, you know, it all comes, I can't say that, that's too. I was going to say it all comes from me. No, it all comes from the Lord. But in the next couple weeks, we're going to start another discipleship course. Just seven weeks that I'm going to urge you guys to be in. Because it is that, taking care of one another. It's teaching us by way of the red letters how to get the same dust on our feet. And have it be an okay thing. <laughs> That's the other part of it. Man, we live in a world where we just want to be in our own apartment, our own house. Drive right into the driveway, shut the garage door, pull the blinds and flip on Netflix and watch some weird show that we, you binge watch for the next 14 hours. That's not life, okay? <laughs> Sorry. But to get the same dust on each other's feet. So I'm going to encourage you guys to, to jump into that course. Only seven weeks. It's one hour a week for seven weeks. Um... But I do believe that the Lord is asking us this morning to continue in his spirit after what our worship time was in accordance with these breaking of chains so that we can be the proper working of each individual part. That is my desire for everybody in here, to be the proper working of your part. Are you with me this morning? Well, let's get ready for our offering as we begin to close. Um, whoever has that responsibility. And uh, we'll just see what the Lord wants to do here in these closing minutes. Yeah? I'm going to bring... Rick up here this morning believes he has something for you guys. So that was good. Was it good? We're good. What unlocks um, whatever prison we make or relate to sometimes isn't something that we just work out on our own. It's something that we have help with. All right. Uh, Jim, back here, who uh, um, he, over the years he's always, well, not always, he sometimes brings me jokes. I've got a whole file at home of Jim jokes. All right. And uh, today he brought me something, and man, it was a poem. And man, he, he may or may not know how big that was to me, but poem in relationship to a circumstance. That, that Julie and I are going through. Man, it was so specific. I believe the administration that sometimes we go to church and we check the church box, we've sat in the pew, we've, we've nodded our heads, we've marked our bulletin or whatever we've done, and yet we, we kind of leave with the same stuff that we came in with or we leave unedified, unbuilt up, all right? And that the key to building you up is yourselves, is the body of Christ. So I'm going to ask you, and this is not something you're, I'm making you do or you got to do this, all right? I'm just saying you have something for somebody in this room that you don't know their circumstances well and that you don't 
need to go to them and go, you know, tell me the nine things that trouble you and I'll pray for you, all right? It's just something as you sit next to somebody that kind of catches your eye and you sit next to them and just say, man, can I pray for you? And just pray what you have. You may just say, oh, God, bless them. Um, uh, God, use them. God, make sure that they have food in the fridge, whatever is on your heart. But there is something you're going to give to each other that's going to be a key to unlock something for them today. Because sometimes we so want something to happen to us, we're waiting for it to be a part of us, and yet somebody else is the key to that. Does that make sense? So look around the room real quick. Just go, okay, to turn around. You know, sometimes it's scary to turn around. Go ahead and turn around and, and just find somebody. You may target somebody else finds. Just wait a minute. and just You can still hit them too, okay? So I'm not telling you you got to do this. I'm saying you get to do this. You can do this. Well, Rick, I'm really struggling. I don't know if I can pray for any bells. Listen, if you'll let go of you, if you'll lose your life for his sake, you'll find it, what you're looking for. So let's... Uh, Let's go ahead and Alex can run the offering and then, or I can do it. Okay, just come on up. Uh, kids, come on up. Offering takers, come on up. If you can't see the offering takers over the pew, they're still there. Okay, they're still here. There we go. Lord, bless this and use it, Father, for your purpose. Use this, Father, that we might find ourselves participating with your heart because your heart is giving. And that, Father, we might find ourselves, Lord, being uh, able to be responsible for the riches to change the earth. And so, Lord, we just thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. somebody for go home. Let somebody come pray for you. And that you all will be the benediction for today. Thank you so much. But Lord, we want to just seal this time. Father, we thank you for what you've done this morning. And Lord, that it is a true transformation. And Lord, we let you be you as you ask us to be the creation that you've asked us to be. Father, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said